We've, I've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and if you're visiting, I know I met a, a handful of you earlier. Um, I've been walking through uh, Matthew 5, 6, and we're now going into Matthew chapter 7. So I'm going to streamline some things and uh, just share uh, what Jesus has been uh, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, before I actually uh, share a few brief, brief comments, let me begin by reading uh, in Matthew chapter Seven. So if you have your Bible, um, I'm reading from the New King James. It might be a version a little different from yours. But Jesus uh, said this beginning in verse 1. Um, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and behold, there's a plank in your own eye. And then Jesus uses this word, now for the fourth time in the sermon, you hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly uh, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. But ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to him. Or what man of you among you If his son comes and asks for bread, we'll give him instead a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Verse 12, final scripture. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Well, this is what I've called, um, these are relationships that have worked in the kingdom. And Jesus now moves to kind of the practical ministry. I loved what you said. Uh, The first year of the Bible college is the theological, you called it what? School of Biblical Studies. That means theological. But the second year is Practical ministry. Jesus has just shifted from the school of theology, chapter 7, into practical ministry. Specifically, um, he begins to deal with this notion of uh, what I call concern and condemnation. In other words, how do you get along as a man or woman in the kingdom where the king has taken up residence and is now living his life? The kingdom of God, as you remember, if you were here, is available to everyone. Jesus said, all you need to do is to, is to experience the kingdom, is to turn, that is repent, turn from living under your own domain, the domain of yourself, and receive the domain or the rule of the king. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of God is as close as the air you breathe. Everybody inhale. The kingdom of God is that close. Now, as men and women who live in the kingdom then, Jesus is concerned about how we live our life relationally with one another. 
Uh, So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2 that I just read to you, the first thing Jesus said is, don't judge. Now, the word judge there may not communicate in um, in the New King James, Uh, But let me say, first of all, what it doesn't mean. The word judge there doesn't mean not to think critically, not to use your God-given ability to think and to reason and to make uh, judgments about what is good versus what is bad or what is good versus what is best. That's not what it means. What it does mean, however, comes from this word krino, the word judge in the New King James, is a translation of the Greek word krino. Uh, Krino is to sit in the office of a judge. Duke, he's running for judge. He'll sit in that office should he get put in that that place, to sit in the office of judge. But it doesn't just mean to sit in the office of a judge. It means to pronounce judgments in that office that can condemn people. The word is often translated, perhaps in your translation, condemnation. Don't condemn or you will be condemned. Uh, Because it has to do with um, executing judgment and condemning someone specifically related to the faults of other people. So Jesus was saying, men and women of the kingdom, understand that as you walk in this grace gift of God that you be careful that you don't utilize the blessings of God in order to um, judge other people in order to condemn other people because of the faults that you see in their lives that's fairly straightforward reading from the scriptures so let's move it a little bit further Um, How the heart transformed by the king actually interacts with other people is what Jesus is talking about here. So in verse 2 then, what he says is if you um, don't judge because you'll be judged and with the measure that you measure or give out this condemnation of other people, that'll be the very same measure that you get it back. In other words, there's this principle that we call reciprocity. Uh, If you sow condemnation, you'll reap condemnation. And you see the principle of reciprocity. What reciprocity actually means is what you give, you will get. If you're an angry person and you deal with contempt and, and allegations toward other people, you'll probably reap a good bit of that back from other people. You see, it's this reciprocity. In fact, in Scripture, I think it uh, is in Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Don't be deceived. Whatever a person sows, that is what they will reap. A man went out and sowed seed into the field. Whatever you sow is what will come up. That's what Jesus is saying here. And in Galatians 6, it says, if you sow to the flesh, you know, fleshly thinking, fleshly understanding, trying to live your life according to the, the edicts of yourself, your flesh, from that sowing to the flesh, you'll from that flesh reap corruption or death or decay. But if you sow by the Spirit and to the Spirit, from that sowing of spiritual seed, you'll from that seed reap life everlasting. So the, the principle of reciprocity is seen throughout the Scripture, and here Jesus uses this specifically as it relates to sitting in the seat of a judge, executing condemnation toward other people because you're so keenly aware of their faults.
And Jesus said, you probably won't want to do that. Uh, If you lived under condemnation in your life, you'll probably involuntarily, I said involuntarily, give condemnation to other people because that's what has ruled you. And you might go, oh, yeah, my dad or my mom or my uncle or my, some teacher I had, you know, they were always ragging on me. You know, they always condemn, they're always critical. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? That's probably, therefore, so ingrained in a habit pattern in your life that it's an involuntary response on yourself. And you're always going, why am I so critical? It's because you've lived under a regime of criticism and condemnation. Now, in verse 3, then, in 5, Jesus says, um, how, can giving condemn, uh, how can giving condemnation actually look in terms of relationships? How does it look? Now, let me read this real fast uh, to us. Um, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and not consider the plank that's in your own eye? So Jesus, then, is talking about not judging or being condemning toward others because because of the principle of reciprocity if you condemn you'll be condemned and now he gets very specific and he says okay let's talk about what it looks like and what it looks like is how can we give uh, how can giving condemnation actually look in our relationships and here's the deal most of us who are human I said anybody who isn't most of us who I got some of you Most of us who are actually human have an amazing ability to focus upon or see the specks in the eyes of other people. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Let me say it another way. Have you ever noticed that about your husband? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that about your your wife? Have you ever noticed that about your kids? They got these specks and, you know, you're just longing to get in there. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. We have an uncanny ability to focus upon the specks in the eyes of other people. Now, remember where he started. He's talking about be careful not to judge and not to give condemnation because that's what you'll get back. And then he says, uh, he starts looking at your propensity to find the speck in the eyes of other people. And a speck is actually an irritant in the eye. It's small things that are the source of big discomfort. Now, who has the biggest source of discomfort in these couple of passages here? The person with the speck in their eye or to me who is beholding their speck? In other words, the speck that I see in somebody else, you know, I might go, oh, their eyes, you know, a little watery, a little red or something, but it's such an irritant to me, I've got to go and help them get it out of their eye. And in my attempting to help them remove their speck that's such a difficulty for me, I breach the relationship and it begins to go south very quickly um, after that. You see, as with worry that Jesus talked about last week, and David, you did a magnificent job last week sharing the Word. As with worry, don't give your time and your energy to focus upon the specks in the eyes of other people. Don't give your time worrying about things that you can't worry. Didn't you love the, the quote from uh, Mark Twain on his deathbed? What was it? I had a bunch of terrible things that have happened to me in my life, and some of them have come true. 
Some of them actually happen. I didn't quote it verbatim. That's what I remember. But you see, don't give your time to worrying because most of what you worry about isn't going to come true. And Jesus is saying, uh, as with worry here, don't give your time and energy to focusing on the specks of other people. Well, why? You can't do anything that's really going to matter about their speck. Jesus said where you need to pay attention is the plank in your own eye. Do you remember the, the band years ago called Plank Eye? You remember those, Tim, don't you? That was kind of alternative old Plank Eye. Isn't that an awesome name? They had something, you know, they were kind of an alternative kind of group. But I tell you what, they understood something. That God is interested in my plank more so than He's interested in my helping you with your speck. You know, deal with your plank. That's what Jesus is saying here. Consider the plank in your own eye. Your own life and situation in the kingdom is your only full-time responsibility. This is relational stuff. If you're in a marriage and you're trying to help your wife get the specks out of her eyes, come on, husbands. Hey, I tried that. That doesn't go very far, does it? No. And, and, and wives, you know, I'm married. And okay, I've tried to help my husband. Yeah, can you, has he changed yet? It's like worry. It's like, why do I worry about this? Guess who gets to change people? God gets to change people, and He starts with people who see their plank, not people who want to get in the eyes of other people. Eyes are very sensitive places. And man, I have to be very careful when I touch my own eye, but when somebody else comes and messes with my eye, you see, that's what Jesus is saying here. Pay attention to what is our responsibility and our full-time job. You see, some, here's some factors uh, that, have, that uh, cause me to focus upon the specks in the eyes of other people. I'm pretty good at it, by the way. Uh, one is, well, you know, why, do, um, why do I mess with the specks in the eyes of other people? Well, you say, well, I'm concerned. I'm a concerned parent. You know, you know how I'm a concerned parent and lift little Jimmy, which, you, you know, I just like, and I'm getting, you know, just, um, you see what I'm saying? Well, I'm concerned, and, and what is behind that is I think that I know what is best. Now, parents have some wisdom. Please understand, I'm not saying I don't have any and you don't have any, but when you start messing with somebody's speck, there's probably a better way, which we're going to get to here in just a minute, that Jesus very clearly teaches on. But when I start messing with somebody's speck or I see the speck in their eyes, I rationalize it through, I'm concerned. No, I'm controlling. I'm meddling. I want to fix people because of my own dysfunction. Because of my dad was condemning her. You know what I'm saying? That's just the truth. So Jesus said, you know, it isn't just concern, though there might be some of it, but how much pride do you hear? Now, now, if you read this and stand back a little bit, you know, what's really going on here? Oh, let me help you with the speck in your eye, and you don't even see the beam or the, the log or the plank in your own eye. Well, what you see there is a lot of pride. I mean, after all, you need what I have. Come on, isn't that what's going on with the speck? 
You need what I have. You've got to straighten up. You've got to change. And guess who? You have to change and straighten up according to what I think. That's called pride. And secondly, we could call that superiority. Now, all of us can fall into this. And I want to say very clearly, me too. Superiority is another way to say uh, pride, that I have what you need. And then Jesus, of course, has been teaching about self-righteousness. The Pharisees were self-righteous. Oh, I haven't murdered. And Jesus said, what about anger and contempt in your heart and, and foul words by which you kill and destroy people? You see, that's what Jesus is teaching about, pride, self-righteousness, and superiority. He said, don't do that. Now, he uses this word in verse 5. We see it, hypocrite, hypocritus, which actually means a play actor. That's the fourth time Jesus uses the word, and he uses it in chapter 6, verse 2, related to um, charitable deeds. When you do your charitable deeds or when you give alms, uh, don't do them in order to be seen by men. Uh, And then again, he uses it, when you pray, don't pray in order to be seen as being pious, in order to be seen or elevated. And then again, uh, in verse 16, when you fast, don't fast and disfigure your face in order people will look at you and go, oh, Jerry's fasting today. You know, bless his heart. He's such a spiritual man. No, Jesus said, hypocrite. You know, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When you pray, don't, you know, go into your closet. Guess what? God hears. And that's the one that matters. And when you fast, do it to be seen by Him. Now, trying to straighten someone else out then... Uh, is really what is happening when we try to get the speck out of someone else's eye. It's like throwing is what Jesus then quickly transitions into is this little parable about throwing your uh, brand new pearl necklace, if you can envision that, ladies, uh, into a herd of pigs and they trample on it. Or taking those three carrot, that's pretty big, I think, three carat studded diamond earrings off and throwing them out into and before the herd of swine. He said, what we're doing here when we're trying to straighten people out, it's like taking what is holy or what is of value and throwing it out to be trampled under the feet of pigs. And not only will they trample it under their feet because they're not necessarily ready or able to ingest what you're giving, they're going to turn and rend you. That means they're going to gore you. That means they're going to try to eat you. You see what Jesus is saying? He's using homespun illustrations here of now God wants to fix us and He's the only one that can fix me. He wants to fix you and He's the only one that can fix you. And it's through the redemption and the life of Jesus coming into our lives that He begins to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You see, it's Jesus, but when we try to fix one another, it's like throwing our pearls before pigs and they'll turn and they'll trample um, them and turn and then try to eat you. So, uh, Jesus then, I believe what he's saying in this text is don't be like the self-righteous, the prideful. Uh, Don't you love folk that have all the answers Come on, if I've done it to you, please forgive me. 
that's the, it creates interpersonal space, distance. We don't trust people that have all the answers. Guess what? People put their pants on just like Tommy and me. <laughs> that means we're human. We're part of the human reality. And Jesus is saying, don't walk in some pious, spiritual, overly spiritual, self-righteous, prideful way, helping everybody else, because it's in disingenuous and hypocritical to focus upon the speck in someone else's eye, even if you sneak up on them to get it out and not see the plank that's in your own eye. That's all Jesus was saying in this text. So don't focus on the speck, focus on the plank. Now, the kingdom way is much better. Now, we are concerned as parents, we are concerned as husbands about our wife's speckedness. That word. We're concerned about our husband, you know, the specks. I understand we got that stuff, and I understand some of you are sitting here and you're fixers. I didn't say that. You're, you, you, you control because that's the best thing you've known. You know, you've been controlled and hurt and wounded people wound people. That's how that works. So what Jesus is saying here is there's a better way for men and women who understand the kingdom, the king who has come to assert domain in the heart of, the, of a person, there is a better way. And the better way starts in verse 7. Why? Because you've got a daddy. And all you need to do is ask, and you will receive. Because you have a daddy who really is, is, is in interactive relationship with you. You have intimacy with him. He's, he's embraced you and drawn you into his family, adopting you as his sons and his daughters. And now the way that you can get every request and every need met is to ask, and then to seek, and then to knock. And that's what verses 7 and 8 say. Now, Jesus then sort of almost ends this section by saying, how many dads do we have in the room? That's what he was saying. Come on, anybody else in this room? Huh? we got some dads. Okay. If your son comes to you and says, oh, Dad, I'm hungry. Got any bread? Or you got any fried chicken? You know, I'm hungry. Do you have something that I could eat? Would you, though you live in a fallen world and are evil in the sense that you have come out of the kingdom of darkness, in that sense, being evil, even would you, a physical dad, give a hungry son a stone if he asked for bread? Come on, hands up. Anybody? No. Why? Because if we know how to give good gifts to our sons and our daughters, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to us when we simply ask? He drives the point a little further. How about if your son is or your daughter is hungry and you ask for a fish? I got something for you. <laughs> what kind of dad would that be? To throw a son or a daughter who's hungry and they ask for a fish and you give them a serpent. Come on. Some of us would have a mess if somebody did that to us. Threw a snake at us. You know what I'm saying? So, so Jesus is, is using hyperbole. He's, he's using um, 
um, over-accentuated language to drive one central point home, and that is, beloved, we don't have to fix anybody else because you have a daddy in heaven who hears you when you pray, and when you ask, you will receive. And when you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be thrown open to you. That's the nature of your father. That's the nature of relationship with your father who is in heaven. Now, I have taught this text, I think, wrongly in the past. Because the Greek suggests, ask and continue to ask. And I have put the, the, the onus on I'm going to just wear God out with my asking. That's a good view of God, isn't it? I'm going to seek and keep on seeking, and I'm going to wear Him out until He gives me what I want. I'm going to, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock, I'm going to keep knocking and knocking and knocking until God finally gives in. I don't think that's what the text is saying. It's humbling to grow up in front of people. I think the text is just fairly straightforward, and that is knock in faith, believing you have a father who's far more interested in hearing your request. He already knows you have him in chapter 5 and chapter 6. All you need to do is ask him, and he's going to give you exactly what you ask for. He won't give you a snake instead of a fish. He won't give you a stone instead of bread. You see, even the parable of the importune woman, you know, the woman that went to the unrighteous judge and wore his hide out all night long until he got up. I think Jesus was not teaching there uh, uh, by uh, by, um, specific principle. He was teaching by contrast. Many of us have the idea that God has to be worn out before he's going to hear my prayers. That is the antithesis of what Jesus is saying here. Beloved, all we need to do is come and say, God, I'm concerned because I see a speck in my brother's eye. And I'm so acutely aware of of what may be, and I'm asking you to reveal any planks that are in my eye, but more importantly than me going and messing with their eyes, God, I'm asking you to help them remove that from their eye. Now, everybody at that point should go, that's what the Father wants to do for us. He wants to help us with this this issue. Your Father in heaven will give you the good things um, to those who who ask. Now we're, we're finished. We're landing the plane here. Verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men... Uh, to do to you, do also to them. This is what Jesus calls the law and the prophets. And he said, this rule's golden. This one's really good. So, those who have received the king into their life, uh, Jesus is simply saying, the way the king's going to now begin to work in you, because you're absolutely new in Jesus, you're absolutely righteous in him, you have been blessed in him from the foundation of the earth, that you would walk and be holy and blameless before him, yada, yada, yada. Because that's who you are, um, he wants you now to look at other people and go, how would I want to be related to? That's how they want to be related to. And that's how the king wants us to relate to them. Isn't that cool? Jesus wasn't beating anybody up. He was just saying, well, just think about it. 
You know, we talked about the spec. We talked about just asking. And now he's saying, think for just a moment how you want people uh, to um, interact with you. That's the way I want you to treat them. And I'm sure the people on the, on the hill, on the mount, thought about that and went, huh, it really isn't up to me, is it? No, it's really up to God who loves everybody. And all we get to do is let the king live his life in us and show himself to other people. We get to represent the father in this life because the father is now living his life in each one of us, representing himself to the world. It takes the pressure off. You don't have to perform. You don't have to spin ten more plates to get God to love you. He loves you just the way you are. Knowing our needs before we even ask, meeting those needs when we ask, He wants to make Himself known to the people who are closest to you, even though you may see the specks in their eyes. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. and It is a humbling thing for any of us to stand under the weight of it because we see in ourselves, probably humorously. I bet Jesus was even teaching with a good bit of humor. There are those things that you see in each other's eyes. I don't know, but God, thank you that, that you paid it all and you went to a cross to redeem us out of our pit, uh, to forgive us all of our sin so that you might come and live your life fully in us. Lord, thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. You know, maybe you're here today and you go, you know what, I don't know that I've ever really asked Jesus to come into my life. I've been a good person and I go to church as much as I can and I don't do lots of bad things like other people that I know. So I'm I'm pretty good, but... Jesus just wants you to know that it's not about how good you might be or how good you might not be. It's really about Him and what He did so that He said, whoever comes unto me just as they are takes my yoke upon themselves and learn of me. Those are the ones. Maybe you need to come to Jesus today and just surrender your life to Him in a fresh and new way. Maybe you made Him your Savior and you got the benefits of eternal life. You know your sins are forgiven, but you know you're not living for Him as Lord of your life. Then today is your day to say, God, here I am. All that I am belongs to you. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Elders and any on our ministry team, spouses, would you come and you'd like special prayer today before we slip out um, we'll be available to pray with you to pray for you God's doing some amazing stuff in our midst let's stand and we'll be dismissed